So this morning, let's talk for a moment about forgiveness. The affirmation I used this morning, I forgive and I am forgiven, is our text. Maybe easier said than done. Don't let me forget to talk about these glasses. If I forget to talk about these glasses, remind me. Melissa, that's your job, okay? So I heard about a rabbi from Belgium. Older rabbi, older gentleman. And he talks about the fact that uh, he was born in Germany. And in Germany, uh, in uh, World War II, he was born of... Jewish parents, obviously. And he was three months old and the Gestapo came to his house. The Gestapo talked to his father. And they looked at the three-month-old baby, this guy who had become a rabbi. And the Gestapo said to him, there was just one guy. The Gestapo said to him, "Ah, you know, it's awful that that boy is a Jew. So dirty, so corrupt, so awful, not even human. It's awful that that baby is a Jew. And the rabbi said his father looked at the Gestapo officer and said, so you think, but I know that he's beautiful and precious and that no matter how long he lives, he will not be the son of murderers. It took a lot of courage to say this, I imagine, to a Gestapo officer in that moment. And the Gestapo officer, this rabbi says, looked at his father and said, I will be back to get you all tomorrow. But the father said, there was a tear in this man's eye. Something the father said got hold of his humanity. And he recognized something true about what that father was saying. And he never came back the next day. Christian family hid them and they were safe. And the rabbi says that his father told him his whole life that the tear in that man's eyes saved his life. So this guy grew up to become a rabbi. And he said he was giving a talk one day to a group of high school kids. And he told them the story that years later, years later, a German man called him and said to him, I want you to know I was in the German army. I was one of those officers. And I did horrible things And I want to know if you will forgive me. And the rabbi said, I can't forgive you. You did nothing to me directly. And the people who could forgive you aren't here to forgive you. And he hung up the phone. That's a hard message. That's tough to receive, right? 
And so one of those high school students, like high school students do, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in those, those crazy little hearts. <clears throat> one of the high school students said, Rabbi, you disappoint me. You should have at least had coffee with him. You should have at least met him. And the rabbi said he thought about that for years. And he said, if I had it to do over again, I would meet with that person. I wouldn't forgive him. That's not part of the Jewish uh, tradition. He's not his to forgive. But I would sit with him, he said. I would listen to him, and we would cry together. We would cry together. It's hard to forgive other people. It's hard to forgive ourselves when we think we've screwed up. But the next time you're in a position where you feel like you need to forgive yourself, I want you to imagine that you're that rabbi and the broken part of yourself the part that you want to forgive, I want you to imagine taking that part out to coffee, meeting that part, and crying together. There's no easy formula for self-forgiveness. There's no easy formula for forgiving others. If somebody tells you it's a two-step process and you can get there tomorrow by doing this and by doing that, Move on to the next guru, right? <laughs> it is not easy, and it is going to be uncomfortable, and you are going to be, feel pain and discomfort. And if you're like me, if your personality type is like me, uh, you're going to do everything you can to avoid the pain of looking deeply at what is and what's real and spending the time to forgive yourself. You have to forgive yourself. Take Imagine taking yourself out to coffee and having a good cry with that broken part of yourself. And then I heard about this guy who is a Sikh. You know, Sikhs are the ones with turbans. They don't cut their hair. They got long... The guys don't cut their hair, right? Kind of keep the hair. Yeah, beards. So the Sikh was talking... He had, to, he had to leave, uh, as an adult, as a grown-up, he had to leave his town. And he had to go to London, thousands of miles away, to study in graduate school. And he left behind his 15-year-old son. Left behind his 15-year-old son with the mother. And... He was talking to his 15-year-old son one day, and his 15-year-old son said, Father, you've raised me to be a Sikh, and I am going to be a Sikh, but I need you to know something that's going to hurt you. I've cut my hair. And it put the man, put the father, into a deep funk. He was just very upset. He was very unhappy. And um, he was morally outraged that his son would turn his back on, on his tradition in this way. And so he sat down 
in his hurt, in his sadness, in his grief, in his sense of betrayal. And he wrote, single line, a 10-page letter to his 15-year-old son, outlining all the ways he had hurt him, all the ways he had betrayed him, all the ways that this father was morally offended that this son would do such a thing. And that evening he had to go and be with a good friend of his who was also becoming a religious leader in the Sikh tradition. And his friend could tell there was something not quite right. And his friend had the courage to ask, is something bothering you? Do you want to talk about it? And this father, this man said, do I ever. I've written a 10-page letter to my son because he has cut his hair. And this, this, this friend of his, in his wisdom, said, let me see this letter. And he took 30 minutes to read this letter. He read every single line. And he handed it back to him. And he said, I might not send that letter. He said, I might not send that letter. But if you want to send a letter to your 15-year-old boy, send him a letter that says, I love you. And over time, you can have this conversation with him if you want. But right now, send a letter that says, I love you. When you're in a position where you feel like you need to forgive yourself, you know that you've written that 10-page letter to yourself, right? We've all written 10-page letters to ourselves, right? I want you to picture and imagine yourself crumpling up that letter and sending a letter to that broken part of yourself. We all have it. We all have it. That broken part of yourself Replace that letter with a letter that says, I love you. So the last time I was with you, the last time I was with you, uh, I think uh, preaching with you, speaking, giving the lesson, whatever we call it here. The last time I was here on this platform talking to you in this way, I told you that I was going to First Congregational to give a talk about the death penalty, about abolishing the death penalty, a topic that I love very much. That morning I spoke here. The next night I spoke to volunteers at Penrose St. Francis about um, death and dying. So I had three talks to give. And for some reason, both of those other talks went really well. But the talk at First Congregational, I screwed it up. (laughs) I was like so psyched out. You know, like I was among friends. There were 80 people there. Almost all of them were my friends. But I felt like, ah, can I have a do-over? Can I please have a do-over on this one? I thought about that, you know. I really messed it up. And 
I really beat myself up about it. Like, oh, how could you do that? Middle of the night, I'm tossing and turning. Like, what happened? What happened? And as I thought about that, whatever happened, happened. I messed up. It wasn't my best effort. It wasn't the greatest speech I've ever given in my life. So, I got off my forgiveness glasses. Do you have forgiveness glasses? Not yet. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Buy some forgiveness glasses. They don't have to be this awesome. They can be. It's up to you. <clears throat> I put on my forgiveness glasses, and I looked at myself in a new way. I looked at that story in a new way. I, under, I tried to understand what emotion I was feeling. I tried to understand what that emotion was trying to teach me. I tried to understand where that emotion was coming from. I began to reframe the story, and I began to let it go. I'll have another chance to speak to those people at First Congregational. If they'll have me back. If they don't, they'll find somebody else. But it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. In that moment, that's not a big, that's not a big story about self-forgiveness. That's kind of a silly story about self-forgiveness. But I was beating myself up over it. I had to reframe the story. I had to look at it with new eyes. Forgiveness glasses. And let it go. All right, here's my, um, here's my final word. You ready? <laughs> well, whether you're ready or not, here it comes. <clears throat> Go and fear not. Go and fear not. Be not bitter against anyone. Be not angry if you're wronged. Forgive. Be reconciled with everyone you know. If you are penitent, you love and if you love, you are of God. All things are atoned for. All things are saved by love. Love is such a priceless treasure that you can redeem the whole world by it and atone for not only your own shortcomings, but the shortcomings of others. Dostoevsky. <laughs>